Father, we thank you for tonight. And Father, we just thank you for the light of the world. For your word teaches us that if you be lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. And so, Father, in the moments that I have, as we open up your word, would you just speak to us in a very real and personal way? Would this just not be another event that we've attended? But, Father, would this, would this make a difference, not only tonight, but tomorrow and in our lives? So, Father, as we open up your word, would you just speak to us? For we ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I just want to tell you, thank you again for, for being here tonight. And I just, in the moments that I have, I, I just want to talk to you about this Christmas story that I, I read a little bit earlier. And listen, as, as a pastor, I know that I'm, I'm, I know I'm facing some challenges, right? I mean, many of you, you come out of tradition or maybe nostalgia or maybe to hear a, a Christmas carol or sing a Christmas carol or silent night and light candles and see the candles. And I get that. I understand that. I am with you. But tonight, what I would like to do, I would just like to speak to you very personally about this story. That it would be more than just lighting candles. It would be more than just carols. But we would understand the meaning of Christmas. And that it would impact our lives. You see, the scripture says that, that Jesus is the light of the world. And when you look at this story that I read earlier, Herod and the wise men, they, they both saw the same sign. They both, both saw the star. They both saw the light of the world. But unfortunately, they responded differently. Unfortunately, for Herod, he responded differently. Fortunately, for the wise men, they, they turned and worshipped and, and followed the light of the world. So it's possible that someone can see and a bunch of people can see the same sign, but not everybody understands it. Not everybody responds. Karen and I realized that a, a few nights ago or a week or so ago. Uh, we, were doing, we were doing some Christmas shopping at the dollar store. And so I know we're big spenders. And so... So we're in, the, we're in the dollar store, and we're, we're waiting our time. It was like the Christmas rush. There were a lot of people there. And so we're waiting our time. We're up the register. And there's a man, like two or three people behind us. And this man was, like, angry. And, I mean, and, and he's talking loud, and he's getting angry. And he's like, this place is ridiculous. There, nothing's marked. You don't know how much anything is in the dollar store. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not believing this. And so he's, like, screaming at this point. He said, this is absolutely ridiculous. And he had some, he had some paper towels and he has what I think was some Windex and he had that. He's like, I don't even know how much the paper towels are. And I'm like, a dollar, a dollar, a dollar. I don't even know how much this is. There are signs everywhere that says everything is a dollar in the dollar store. He saw the same things that everybody else saw, but maybe he was distracted and maybe he was busy, but he didn't comprehend. He didn't respond. And so tonight I, I, I just want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about this story. See, there's two different people in this story, two different characters, if you will. There's King Herod, Herod the Great, and there's the wise men. Both of them saw the same sign. Both of them saw the same star, but they, they both reacted differently. And so I, I want to walk with you through this story, and I want to look at this issue of what it means to walk in darkness or to live in darkness and what it means to live in the light, to respond to the light. The first thing is this, is just simply what does it mean living in spiritual darkness? See, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about spiritual, uh, physical darkness. I'm talking about this issue of emotional darkness or this issue of spiritual darkness. And so we go on and says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, here's what the scripture says. And we'll just understand Herod and, and what he's going through. It says, when Herod the king heard this, 
he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And if you jump down to verse 7, Scripture says, And Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what, the star had, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Verse 16, Then Herod when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and, all that and, and, and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the, to the time that, that he had ascertained from the wise men. I want you to understand this. King Herod, he was on a search and destroy mission. Fact is, the scripture says that in 40 B.C., King Herod, or Herod, went to the Senate in their area, went to the Senate, and got the name King of the Jews because he knew this Messiah was coming. He knew Jesus was coming. And for him, it was competition. For him, he wanted to be Herod the Great. Fact is, he was considered and called Herod the Great. You know who gave him the name Herod the Great? He did. He called himself Herod, Herod the Great. Fact is, five days after him having all the male children, two years and under, killed, Five days prior to that, he had his own son executed. You know why he had his own son executed? Because his son had a greater gift of leadership. And it was going around Jerusalem, it was going around that time that Herod may be Herod the Great, but one day his son will be Herod the Greater. You see, for him living in darkness, and the problem with darkness, when darkness turns, turn, turns inward, a person is filled with pride. They become the center of their life. It becomes all about them. And the way they try to push out the, the darkness and bring in the light is, is by success and by name and recognition and all of these other things. But you look at Herod's life. And darkness for him, it turned totally in, inward. See, Herod was not some fictitious character like Scrooge or the Grinch. He was a real person. You can like study it for yourself. You can look at it for yourself. Herod with his wives, he either, he either exiled or had his wives executed, all of them. It was said in history, you can read it from Josephus, and, and it was said that King Herod said of his wife, Miriam, he said he had her executed, and then he regretted it later. He was sorry he did it. That's romantic, right? She was the one wife I wish I hadn't have had executed. When you look at this issue of Herod, you realize when dark darkness turns inward, you can become a very selfish person. I mean, when you look at Herod's life, he was doing everything he could to, to, to have his, his political place and his power and his prestige and all of those other things. When you look at his life, you can, in fact, you can go to Israel today. And you can see many of the things that Herod the Great had built. The fact is, he built the city Caesarea. Caesarea is like a port city. It's 60 miles north of Tel Aviv. He built that city, not, not really, well, actually for himself, but he built that city and he named it after Caesar because he needed a political favor from Caesar. He needed Caesar to do something for him. He built the city. It's a very famous, famous city. He built the city of Masada. He built, fact is, he built, when they began expanding the Temple Mount, he built the wall, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall around the Temple Mount. It's the place today where the Jews pray because they're no longer allowed inside the Temple Mount. When you, look at, when you look at Herod's life, he was doing everything he could to push out the darkness. He would try to get the darkness out of his life with success and achievement, but he, he, he never could. See, Herod refused to give up power. He refused to give up control, and, and he refused to respond to the light. His name is Jesus. 
Man, he has to control everybody and everything. Listen, if you want to lose joy in your life, then you just live a life of control. You try to control the situations. You try to control the people around you. And you will lose joy out of your life just like Herod. This issue of darkness, if you're not careful, this issue of darkness can make you paranoid. I mean, one time it was said of Herod that he was at a dinner party and the servants were off to the side and they were whispering because they did not want to disturb him. Herod thought they were talking about him, so he had them executed. This issue of Herod's life and this darkness that came into his life, he was robbed of this issue of joy. Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 35. And it says, so Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. See, what had happened in Herod's life is this issue of darkness had overtaken him. The one who walks in in, in the darkness does not know where he was going. When you and I walk in spiritual darkness, we don't really have any direction. We don't really have any goals in life. When you look at the pictures of, of Herod's life, he didn't really know where he was going. I mean, I think of that scripture. It's just a sobering scripture that says, what profits a man or what profits a woman if they gain the whole world? If buildings are named after them and cities are named after them and people are still talking about them and people refer to them as Herod the Great. But the scripture said, what profits a man, what profits a woman if they've gained the whole world? They have achieved everything, but they have lost their soul. They never came to the place to respond to the light. They never came to the place to respond to the light in such a way that they no longer walked in spiritual darkness, but they walked in the spiritual light. You see, the wise men handled this situation totally different than, than King Herod. The scripture says, well, the fact is, that's the second principle. The principle is this, just living in the light of Jesus and the characteristics of that. When you look at this issue, there's three things that happens when you and I will walk in the likeness of Jesus. The first thing is this. His light will guide you. That's what Scripture tells us. In fact, as you see it in the, in the, in the wise men's life, verse 1 out of Matthew chapter 2 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the, from the east came to Jerusalem. The wise men came all the way from Persia, all the way down, and it was like a six-month journey for them to get there. And when they came into the house, what the Scripture says is they saw the child, they saw Jesus. And Jesus about this time was about two years or under. We know that because of the time of Herod, and we know that because of how long it took them to journey from Persia. And so when they came in, they, they bowed down and they worshiped him. But the question is, how did, the, how did they know? How did they know that, that this was the Messiah? You know, because the scripture says that the star would appear at his birth. It was light. I mean, the star, a lot of people have argued and discussed what was a star. It could have been a heavenly host. It could have been angels. Uh, angels are referred to stars in the Bible. In Revelation, it says Jesus is the bright and morning star. Verse 9, just look at this. What is, here's what it says. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. We don't really know what happened once they finished talking with Herod, but when they step out, they saw the star, and it's interesting. It says the star went before them. Stars don't went, right? Stars don't went. 
and you don't follow a star. I mean, you look at this and it says that they follow the star and then the star rested over the house, rested over the place where, where Jesus was. Stars don't do that. So that could have been a hev- heavenly host. That could, that could have been an angel that was guiding them. But the scripture says that when they got to Jerusalem, some they asked, where is this Jesus? Where is the Messiah? They got out their Bibles and said, he is born in, in, in Bethlehem, My, Micah chapter 2. John chapter 8 verse 12 says this about Jesus. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let me ask you this tonight. What are you worried about? What are you uptight about? What is keeping you awake at night? What causes your stomach just to churn? Listen, in 2020, we're all going to make some major decisions. I don't know what mine are and I don't know what yours are. But I know this, we're all going to make some major decisions in 2020. That's just life, right? And what is the basis that you're going to base your decisions on? Feelings will lie to you. The darkness will not direct you. Emotion will lie to you. Situations will lie to you. So my question to you is, in 2020, what is the basis for the decisions that you're going to make? Because when you look at this, the only reliable thing that we can base our decisions on is the Word of God. And the scripture says the light of the world, Jesus will illuminate and guide us just like he did the wise men. The second thing is this, his light will encourage you. His light will encourage you. There's something about sitting in a dark room and then all of a sudden the lights slowly come on. All of a sudden it pushes out the darkness and there's comfort there. Verse 10, the scripture says in Matthew chapter 2, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opened up their treasures, they offered him gifts and gold and frankincense and mire. It says that they rejoiced, what the scripture says, with exceedingly great joy. Now I don't know about you, but I rejoice with exceedingly great joy every time the Cowboys score a touchdown. Not a lot of rejoicing going on in my house right now. <laughs> fact is, fact is, uh, fact is, this last week Sunday was a tough day when we lost to like the Eagles and couldn't even we couldn't even score a touchdown. And then after the game, we couldn't even get the plane off the ground to fly back to Dallas. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I, I I took the loss pretty hard. I was I was pretty amped up. I figured we're you know what we're going to the Super Bowl. We lost the game. It was hard. Uh, I looked over at Karen after the game was over. I said, you know what I need? I need to watch a Hallmark movie with you. That's what I need. I mean, at least I know how it's going to (laughs) end. Men, don't judge me, right? Because many of you had confessed, you know, that you've confessed to me and said, you know what? You watch Hallmark movies too. So let's just, let's just keep it real tonight. And so, so, well, back to this. I rejoice with exceedingly great joy. When the Cowboys score a touchdown. And you, you may rejoice with exceedingly great joy when the Broncos score a touchdown. There you go, we got some Bronco fans. But all of us, both of us can come into this place on a Christmas Eve. And we can rejoice with exceedingly great joy and worship Him. Listen, it's, it's okay to rejoice over some things in life. Nothing wrong with that. But as amazed as, 
It amazes me and it's amazing to me. Why is it sometimes when we come into church, we don't rejoice as much over Jesus as we do our favorite football team? Or something else that's going on in our life. You see, when these wise men, when they responded to the life, the scripture says that they rejoiced. And it's interesting. It says they rejoiced and they had joy. See, when you look at Herod's life, you never see a description of his life that had joy. Because he didn't have the light. And you see in scripture that it says that the wise men, they rejoiced. They fell down and worship in the Greek. You know what that word fell down means? It means to be shattered to pieces. It means to take like a vase, an expensive face and throw it on the ground and just shatter it to, to like to like pieces. It means to be broken. Now listen, these wise men, they were the intellects of their day. They were the smart people of their day. And you see what happened when they came into that room and they realized it was the Messiah, Jesus, the light of the world. All of a sudden you see that they fall down and they worshiped him. I mean, they were expressive in their worship and they worship and they gave. You want to have joy in 2020? You want to walk in the light? You worship and you give. You worship and you live a life of generosity. Listen, let me tell you something. We were created to worship. God has created us to make a big deal over some things. We were created that way. And sometimes if we're not careful, our worship is misplaced. And that's why we have darkness. That's why we struggle. This is my guess. My guess tomorrow at some point, many of you tomorrow afternoon may be a little disappointed. Regardless of how things turned out, regardless if you like got everything that you wanted, regardless if like Aunt Sally showed up and she didn't have too much to drink and she didn't throw the helm at somebody and there wasn't like family drama and all of a sudden it's like you got everything that you wanted and everybody got along and then at some point, if you're not careful, You'll look around and say, is this all there is? You know why? People, things, pleasure make horrible gods. Your spouse, your spouse cannot give you what only God can give you. And we can only love with like a conditional love because human love at, at times wears out, but God has an unconditional love. Your children, they cannot fill you or complete you the way God can. If you are looking for a spouse to give you what only God can give you, joy and peace and fulfillment and unconditional love, if you, a sure-fired recipe of resenting your children, expecting them to give you what only God can give you, validation and peace and comfort in who you are. And I'm telling you, this issue of joy comes when we understand what it means to worship Him, what it means to live a life of generosity to where life is not all about us. It's about how we worship Him and how we live. And maybe this is why Christmas is like one of the most special times of the year is because we're so focused on giving to others. You can go to amazon.com and you can drain that dry and buy every self-help book on how to live your best life. You can read those books till you're blue in the face. You can highlight them with the brightest yellow highlighter made that, that is made. And it cannot compete. With eight simple words out of the mouth of Christ, it is better to give than to receive. That's the secret of a fulfilling life. 
you won't join your life. You have to learn to worship him. The last thing is this about joy is his light. His light will change you. Matthew chapter 2 verse 12 it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to, to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now listen, this is subtle, but it's so huge in the scripture. Please help, please understand this. And remember that before, they, before the wise men worshipped, before they gave, before they bowed down and worshipped him, they had to stop and ask others what the scripture says. Remember, they says, where is Jesus? And they say, oh, Micah chapter 2 says he's in Bethlehem. And now all of a sudden you see that they, they worship, they gave, and they no longer had to go to other people to say, what does the scripture say? When they worshiped, God spoke to them. The wise men responded to the light. The wise men responded to him. They responded to Jesus, and they no longer walked in darkness. For the scripture tells us that if we will walk in the light, he will, he will guide us. He will direct us. He will change us. And he, God doesn't want you in 2020 to learn how to just gut through life. God wants to change you. When the light of God shines on my life, it brightens me up. And it takes me out of a pit of despair. And the light of God fills your life, what Scripture says, with His Spirit. The good news is because of Christmas that there is now a light in the world that can drive your darkness away. John 12, 46, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said this, he said, I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Isaiah chapter 2 says this, or Isaiah chapter 9 says this. It says one day, it was, a, it was a prophecy of coming, it was talking about Jesus, and the prophet in Isaiah said this, that one day there's a light that is going to come, and everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to have an opportunity. But not everybody's going to respond. I don't get it. I don't understand how you can put a lot of people in the same room and they can all see the sign. And some are changed and some are not. But the scripture says, tells us this. That we'll all see the sign. And it's up to us, our free will, to respond. As our worship team begins making their way back up on the platform, we're going to sing another worship song. And then we're going to light candles together and sing a Christmas carol. But as they're coming, we have this picture of Herod and the wise men. Herod and the wise men saw the same sign. They saw the same light. And I, I have a testimony that I was living in a dark place, and when Christ shined his light on me, it changed everything for me. And I'm praying tonight that many of you that are in spiritual darkness have never accepted him have never come to the place to where you say, you know what, I'm a Christ follower and I'm going to worship him. That today would be the day that you would accept him. Some of you, you have the light. Some of you have Christ. And you have responded to the light of the world. And you know where you're going to spend eternity. But there's some of you that may not even know or understand where they're going to spend eternity and tonight. If you've never put your trust in him. I just want to invite you. Just to accept him. I'm not going to ask you to get up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that would embarrass you. But I am going to ask you this. If you have not responded to the light, would you respond to the light tonight? And I'm going to guide you through that in just a few minutes. 
maybe for you, maybe for you, you've kind of strayed away from him. And, and tonight you've seen the light in a deeper way, a different way. And you say, you know what? I am making a commitment that 2020, I'm walking in the light. I'm going to allow him to encourage me. I'm going to allow him to guide me. And I'm going to allow him to change me. I'm going to understand what it means to have worship. What it means to, to live a life of generosity, which means that I'll live a life of joy. Her life isn't all about me. Some of you in this room, you have the light. You've responded to the light. And, and tomorrow or this evening, you may be in a room full of people where you're the only one with the light. And I would just simply encourage you to allow your light to shine so people will know you're a Christ follower. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you. What is Jesus saying to you tonight? What is God saying to you tonight? Have you ever come to a place where you've just, you've understood the light? You understood that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and when we accept him, then we'll never walk in spiritual darkness ever again. And maybe tonight you just need to accept him right where you are. We just pray a simple prayer after me just right where you're seated. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart. I know that you died for me. I know that you've forgiven me of my sins. And I ask that you give me the gift of eternal life. And to the very best of my ability, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. And I'm going to do the very best I can to allow my light to shine. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. May, may tonight just make a spiritual mark on our lives as we've just stopped from the, just from the busyness just to worship you, just to understand who you are. And we look forward to see what you're going to do in the days to come. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.